0: after this uh, recent season of uh, political um, energy, I thought it would be helpful to speak about uh, true beauty. Because culturally, we have uh, icons of, of beauty, both in appearance and behavior, and Beauty is recognized in many different ways uh, in different cultures but I think that there is a true beauty uh, potential within each one of us that when developed or when uh, cultivated is recognizable by everyone uh, and not only Uh, those on the political spectrum of the left but those on the political spectrum uh, on the right but also in other uh, cultures and at other times. We could say that uh, inner beauty is not really uh, culturally defined so much as it's an inner uh, radiance really. It's not exotic, it's not uh, esoteric, it's quite generic really and it's very uh, simple. What we do here in developing awareness is to actually cultivate the, uh, the most noble aspirations, the most noble qualities within our heart. When you think about it, here we are, humans on the face of the earth. What is our potential as an individual? What is the greatest, uh, not even the greatest good we can do or the greatest recognition that we can, or achievement that we can accomplish, but what is it that is within each one of us as a human being that can be brought to uh, maturity or brought to fulfillment or how would we recognize uh, greatness within uh, humanity our own humanity, our own humanness. It's not it's not what we read in the newspaper each day. It's not what's on the news. It's not in the movies. It's within the, the quiet of our own heart that we um, begin to recognize and value, really, the, uh, the, human, the humanness within us or the human qualities within us. We all have the um, potential to love. Not only what we like or appreciate, but to love those who are different or those who are outside of our normal sphere of acquaintance. And When I say love I don't mean romantic love, but I mean a kind of uh, honest acceptance of here is a human being that, you know, walks on their piece of the earth just as I walk on mine, with their view and their understanding and their aspirations and their hopes and their fears, just like I do. And while they may look and appear and behave, in value something very different than I, what is the common ground uh, of our heart, of our mind? And can I recognize that in others? Can I see through the superficial appearance of um, behavior or misbehavior and see that which is truly human, uh, In myself and in others, there are, of course, many qualities of inner beauty, and I suppose every uh, religion or every psychological tradition or every self-help guru has their list uh, of of qualities that reflects our the best within us. But there are some attributes or some generic uh, attributes of all of the uh, qualities of inner beauty and one of them is, one of the attributes is that it's uh, it's what's noble within us. Nobility is not the king and queen of any place. It's the qualities within us that are uh, very, uh, they're the best within us. The most compassionate, the most caring, the most inclusive. It is what we would hope for from those who are in a position of being recognized as nobles. When you think about it no one owns nobility, no one receives a title at birth of nobility this nobility of this inner um, beauty but each one of us has the uh, potential and I think it Requires a certain uh, recognition of our uh, uniqueness, but also a recognition of our sameness. That for all of the differences among us, we're mostly alike. And how to walk that line between and how to accommodate the uniqueness of each one of us and the sameness of all of us. Not to mush them together or or merge them together but to really recognize and to be able to live with within the understanding uh, of that requires uh, a kind of nobility of heart, a nobility of mind. It really calls forth something that's very well almost extreme uh, in our contemporary world because there's so much polarization, there's so much politicization, there's so much partisanship that we think that those who are outside of our sphere of acquaintance, belief, friendship, political spectrum, that they're somehow so different that they're outside of our heart. And really the challenge for us is to see that we were mostly alike. Although you'd never notice it. You'd, you, you wouldn't imagine it that way when you hear the strident, uh, shrill, uh, talking heads uh, of popular uh, media. But if you look carefully at your own mind you may notice that you too have a talking head <laughs> within your own heart. And we, we have our own shrill, partisan perspective on things. And it's not to deny that, but it's to recognize that that's not all that's within us. Yes, we want to. See and understand and act and believe and act on our beliefs in, across the spectrum of our life, but not to. But not when it requires, or not in a way that would require us to shut others out of our heart. I'm remembering, and, and for those of you who've spent any time with Ramdash, you've probably heard this. That his guru said, you know. Do what you got to do with people, but don't ever shut them out of your heart. Yes, we have to disagree. Yes, we have to uh, draw the line, but not to put somebody outside of our heart. This is our capacity. This we have this capacity to accommodate what seems like paradoxical, uh, kind of uh, mutually exclusive. qualities and others it's it's incumbent on us as we awaken to our humanity that which is within us to find the way to uh, accommodate everyone second attribute of awakening to our humanity and uh, our own inner beauty is that I think all expressions of inner beauty accommodate others, requires uh, or is a display of some compassion, some caring, some consideration for where others are coming from, how others are in the world and the conditions that they're uh, living with. And while we all would like to be, and maybe find it easy to care at a distance for mm, those who suffer natural catastrophes, or the poor people of Burma who are voting today for the first time in 20 years, whether it makes any difference or not, or <laughs> really, um, The kind of compassion I'm speaking about is the ability to make space in our heart for everyone. The ability to make space in our heart for uh, how others are. And this takes a tremendous strength of mind. We really have to uh, strengthen our mind to open to and actually feel that which is maybe not pleasant, not expected, not what we're comfortable with. For many years uh, when I would travel to uh, different places where we teach and I would see uh, homeless people or uh, street people uh, on the streets who, are, who have their, uh, their way of appealing for funds or recognition in some way. And they get their signs and they get their, well, they are who they are. A lot of times, or I found that for many years, I would rather avoid them. Or if it was un- impossible to avoid them, I would rather uh, ignore them. Just not have to deal with what it provoked in my mind the judgment, or the shame, or the pity, or even sometimes my own fear. <coughs> my own fear of them, or my own fear that. Well, I suppose this is possible for anyone, and so it was more convenient for me to avoid uh, deny, dismiss, uh, just not deal with not have the strength of mind really is what I'm saying, not have the strength of mind to open to and see that person for how they are, who they are, what they are, and to recognize the uh you know 99% of them that is just like me. So, more recently I have begun to uh, spend time with them or just to recognize them to, to really make the connection, to make a human connection with the person sitting on the street. Whatever their story, whether I believe it or not, is not important. Whether I anything about it It's just here is a human being. They're doing what they can or what they need or what they feel they need to do to get by today. You know, today I'm doing what I need to do to get by today. And they are doing their thing. In some ways, you could say, as you know, I think it was Shakespeare said, you know, we're all players on this stage of life. And we're all here to. Uh, play our part and we're all making this story of contributing to this story of humanity. On this stage can I accommodate all the players? And in engaging with uh, street people and beggars and uh, homeless folks and the unemployed vets with kids uh, it's really now has become enjoyable. Partly because I recognize them as a human being and I, I, I do this by, by uh, making eye contact and then asking them, what do you need? What do you want? And I, th- I think it's an unexpected question. Of course, I mean, who would dare? So <laughs> when, uh, when I ask what do you want, uh, the first person I tried it to was, was actually a fellow in, in uh, So he came up to me and he says, Are you going to spare change? So I looked at him and said, You know, how much would you like? And he said, Two dollars. I need to do my laundry. I said, Okay, two dollars. So I got out my wallet and two dollars is not going to break the bank. Two dollars, I'm looking through to find the ones and he noticed more than a couple of ones. So he said, How about twenty? And I said, <laughs> sorry, you asked for two, I'm willing to give you two. And I gave him the two and said, better luck next time. So that gave me the idea that, oh, you know, you really see there's, there's somebody there who can appreciate uh, a human interaction. So later, uh, in other places I go, I always I, I like to ask people uh, how, how, much they, how much they want and I get a lot of answers. even when someone asks for $20 for whatever reason now I I don't always feel uh, good about supporting what might be bad habits but that's not the point the point is can I recognize can I accommodate this person on the stage of life with me do I have the strength of mind to put aside my judgments put aside my fear put aside my you know my whatever that just says, you don't belong here, you don't fit, you're not in my world, I don't see you, and to open up to to that person. Um, More recently, Kamala and I were in San Diego going, uh, with all the family, going to attend our granddaughter's high school graduation. And after the graduation, I was feeling very um, exuberant and happy. going out to dinner, taking the whole family out to dinner. And everybody had gone into the restaurant and as I was finished parking the car, I came to the restaurant and there were a couple of uh, men, about my age, sitting on the sidewalk outside the restaurant. And they were in a festive mood. Uh, they were also had their sign but they had already been helping themselves to the festivities. And so I said uh, to them, oh, Hey, how's it going? Oh, it's great, you know, whatever. So I said, um, how much would you like? And he says, oh, $100. <laughs> I said, oh, no, that, that's a little too much. I mean, uh, let's let's be reasonable. How much would you like? 60. <laughs> and I ended up giving him 20, which is probably more than enough to finish off their night. but. It, it wasn't that I needed to satisfy their desires. We know that's, in, that's impossible. But in the interchange, in the human interaction, they got what they needed. And it wasn't the $20, it was the recognition, the humanity, the acceptance, the, uh, the I see you. I see you. And in whatever I give through the conversation and through the, the small change, uh, it's love. It's really love and acceptance. I'm not going to solve the world's problems. I'm not going to solve the homeless problem. I'm not going to solve people's drinking problems or drug problems. But I can, in the very willingness to be kind, to be compassionate, to be human, uh, Offer someone that love, and we all can do that with anyone, everyone we meet, very simply. So, more recently, I told um, I told this story to uh, a group of students that I was that Cumlin and I were teaching, and uh, one of the um, one of the students after after the talk came to me and said, "Wow, I was really upset to think that you." We're taking my donations to you and giving them away to people on the street. And I said, Well, you know, uh, thank you for your donation. Uh, I'm just passing it along. Later, another student came to me and said, I was so happy to hear that that's what you were doing with my Donna that I'd offered you that I'm going to make a monthly pledge to give you $10 to keep doing this. it's all within our own minds how we see how we approach conditions and whether we see here's an opportunity to develop our own hearts our own humanity that which is noble that which is uh, the best potential within us and we have this opportunity every day every one of us many times over Another um, attribute of of inner beauty is being resourceful, being skillful, being uh, creative in how we deal with the conditions of life, how we deal with both the challenging conditions which force us to be creative, but how we deal with also the, you know, the gifts of of uh, life. Probably all of you, I was out of the country at the time but probably all of you kept some tabs on the miners in Chile and their whole drama of being underground for a couple of months and the whole world's hoping, wishing for them to uh, have some success to the uh, efforts to, to Uh, recover them to save them to to get them out and of course it was successful and it's just tremendous boon for uh, the world to see to have their experience to kind of coalesce around and I was reading a comment uh, just recently saying how it was really kind of Interesting to notice the commentator saying, "Oh, being in the mine underground was challenging and difficult, but their greatest difficulty is going to be dealing with their life after, or now that they're out, predicting that all of this, um, uh, the the trauma and the stress of being uh, in the mine for a couple of months, you know." Uh, it's just going to be a very difficult uh, challenge to integrate into their lives. And they were saying oh you know the uh, post-traumatic stress post-traumatic stress syndrome was getting a lot of airplay and they said but you should also be aware that post-traumatic stress joy is also a factor uh, in their life and it's not always bad. You know, good things happen to people accidentally. A friend of mine, uh, like all of us, or, or most of us, you know, working his whole life uh, in his job uh, and at some point got invited to take an early retirement. So he did. But because of the way his business was was structured Uh, over the last five to eight years of his work and employment he had just quite unexpectedly in an unplanned way and as a surprise to him had gotten tremendously wealthy just an accident of conditions just things happen and uh, so he came to me and he said, "Well, uh, I've been retired, and uh, through just good, fortunate conditions, I have this tremendous amount of money." And he says, I, I, my wife and I have, over the past few years, have been you know, we do our generosity, our, our annual gift-giving and what they had been doing up to that point had been going to the hospital in their local city each year going into the hospital and saying what new piece of equipment do you need and you know they'd say something a lot of money and he'd say okay well here's the money to get it and six months later they'd invite him in to take a look at the machine and say thank you and uh, next year what would you like and so that was his way of Sharing the the benefit of his good luck, so he came to me and said, "But uh, this is not going to deplete the resources." So he said, "What what else could he do, or what else should he do with it? or do, did I know of any anyone that needed money?" Hello, <laughs> 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 or it was something like that. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of just kind of showing him an empty pocket in my pants, I uh, I told him about the, uh, a friend of mine who's asked me the same question a couple of years earlier, and we had decided to to build schools in Burma. So I said, why don't you go play around the golf with this guy, and he'll tell you how he answered his question. So they did. Came off the golf course, and he said, okay, I want to build. I want to build schools too and tell me your school and how much it costs so he made the donation and we built a school but the school was a mess (laughs) we ran into so many problems building a school you know the contractor started ripping us off and he was using inferior materials and we didn't have permission from the government and the property wasn't owned by the town it was owned by somebody else and it was just unbelievable amount of problems but this guy who who donated the money went to Burma again and just sorted out just went through all the all the problems and just sorted out all the challenges all the difficulties in as creative way as he could to kind of be able to complete his act of generosity and it was not his, <laughs> it was not his usual uh, uh, way of getting things done in life. But he was very creative. He was just very willing to do what had to be done, energetically, creatively, using all of his skills as a retired business- businessman to, to deal with conditions that were uh, not pleasant. So I think one of the qualities of uh, this inner beauty is a willingness to accept this is the way things are and being uh, resourceful and skillful in dealing with it, even if it's not uh, either what you expect or what you want or what you're familiar with. Another attribute of uh, inner beauty is recognition that it's not all about me. And I think there's even a bumper sticker says, it's not about me, it's about we. It really is about we. It is really about how we are able to accommodate, acknowledge others and not Mm, structure our life so that it's all about getting something for myself. Because that's our conditioning, that's our training. We're taught this in the family and in our schooling and in our careers to do what we can or need to to get what we can or need to for ourselves. And while that's necessary and good, um, there's also another side, or there's another potential within us that can get in what we need for ourselves, but also what we can do for others. <coughs> a friend of mine, talking to just the other day, was telling me a story. He said he went to, uh, went to one of the golf courses to play golf. Got out of his truck, or drove up to the parking lot, opened the door of his truck. The wind caught the door, whipping it open, slamming it against the car next to him, putting a nice crease in their back door. So he looks around and he says, nobody saw that. And he thought, all I gotta do is just back up, move, <laughs> move over a few parking lots, sight unseen, no problem. But he knew that while he could get away with it externally, he couldn't get away with it internally. And if he had taken the opportunity to just kind of, well, deny, deceive, avoid, (laughs) minimize, whatever it was the way things were, he would have to live with it. And in having lunch with him the other day, he said, I could have avoided that whole situation, uh, just moving over, in, in five minutes, not in the parking lot. But he said, it would be in my heart, in my mind, for weeks. Well, if we know this about ourselves, we know it because we're paying attention. If you pay attention, or as we pay attention, we'll see what it is that causes our own heart to contract, to feel that kind of discomfort. Sure, it's unpleasant. You got to go find the person whose car you creased, and he did. He found the person and, and traded numbers and whatever, and, and did that. And it takes some um, going outside of your comfort zone, both personally, financially. Uh, there, I suppose there's some shame in thinking, God, I shouldn't have known the wind was going to grab that door. The creasing of the door is not the problem. It's what we do afterwards with our own heart, our own mind, and our own intention. You know, it's not, you don't, you're not a bad person because the wind catches your door and slams it against another car. But what you do with that is going to stay in your heart for a long time. So we have this opportunity to, to really um, understand that while He seemed to be alone in his actions. He really had to accommodate, or when he awoke to the other person, awoke to the other person's uh, recognition of the car and the damage and whatnot, then he couldn't, couldn't keep them out of his heart. And so he had to act and respond in a way that also included them. But it wasn't convenient. And I think that that's part of the uh, confrontation of uh, cultural conditioning and our aspiration to uh, become uh, all that we can be. Because often, our cultural conditioning is not, uh, doesn't see things from the noblest perspective. It doesn't ask of us to be all that we can be. So it's up to each one of us to to recognize that. I wanted to speak about wisdom, the understanding today that is uh, one of the qualities of uh, inner beauty. Because as we understand, we will act. If we understand things coarsely, then we act in a way that is coarse and not very refined. If we have a very refined discernment of the way things are, for ourselves and others, then we act with more uh, refinement in the world. And I think that uh, what we believe of course is is important, but belief alone is not enough. It's really how we act. And what is it that we're acting on what belief are we acting on? What what understanding, really, do we bring to the situations in our life that either uh, recognizes inner beauty or uh, or not? One of the um, understandings that I think is most Essential is the understanding that uh, everything is a result of causes and conditions it's really the understanding of karma that what we do and what we say and what we think really does make a difference or as Ruth Dennison uh, one of the elder Dharma teachers in the, in the West says, you don't get away with anything, darling. You don't get away with anything. Meaning, whatever we do, whatever we say, whatever we think has its consequences. And one of the consequences is how we feel at the time and how we feel subsequently when we reflect on whatever it is we do and think and say. So this understanding of um, causes and conditions or the fact that how we act, what we intend or the the ground out of which we act is important. It's essential to understand that uh, we're not just uh, victimized by conditions. Conditions unfold due to causes that are mostly beyond our control. Who would ever predict that this is what we were going to have to deal with uh, at this day, uh, at this time of our life? None of us plan for things unfolding the way they eventually do. But this is a given. Things are the way they are. This is a hard uh, understanding to, to come to, to even accept because we want things to be the way we want things to be. you know, and, and along with that belief is some assumption, unexamined assumption that we can make them be the way we want them to be. And we cannot. It takes uh, a very humble uh, awareness, humble wis- wisdom to be able to acknowledge this is the way things are for us physically uh, emotionally politically uh, financially uh, in, in every spectrum across the spectrum of our life when we struggle with the way things are the struggle is a form of aversion or attachment or confusion Believing somehow that we are entitled to things being different. Or we are being victimized by others' misbehaviors or behaviors or misbehaviors. And neither one of those is true. Those are perspectives, unskillful, unhelpful ways of viewing the way things are things are the way they are can we accept that what does it require to 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 do that well it requires a, a change in our understanding that we don't control everything in our life that we can't make it happen blaming others is not the path to nobility it's not the path to happiness it's when we are willing to uh, find a way to accommodate this is the way things are that we really start dealing with things as they truly are to the best of our ability. Second uh, understanding uh, that's important in enhancing, or flourishing really, flourishing as a human being is, is recognizing that the way things are is the way things are. The corollary of it is this can be dealt with. This, is, this can be dealt with. No matter how bad it gets, I can't imagine what those miners first thought, trapped half a mile underground, with no communication for 17 days, I, somebody in that group had the understanding: this can be dealt with. Had that understanding, or they they wouldn't have made it those 17 days. We think our life has a lot of challenging conditions, and it does. I'm not minimizing that. It does. But when we have the understanding, when we have observed our life enough, have seen the way things unfold, that we know, we know from our own experience, everything can be dealt with. As bad as it gets, everything can be dealt with. And why is that? Because. If we are able to recognize the benefits of our life or the blessings of our life, we got it good. We're doing fine. Life is offering us everything we need. It's important to count our blessings, to be able to know or to to recognize what it is that we're grateful for. We have so much. We're all here. We have some discretionary time, some good enough health, good enough finances, good enough what. It's good enough. You know, desire is endless, the Buddha said. We know that. There's always, we always want more of everything. But wisdom comes from turning around and looking at what we do have and recognizing that it is good enough or good enough to be grateful for as it is. And it doesn't cost anything. It doesn't take any time, it doesn't take any money, it doesn't, you don't have to you know, uh, manipulate anybody, you don't have to get others to agree, you don't have to have a vote on it. All we have to do is recognize it within ourselves, to have the awareness and the understanding that this is the way to happiness. This is the way to uh, letting yourself flourish, is to recognize we have it within us. Recognizing this is the way it is. This too can be dealt with. And then asking yourself the question also, what is enough? One of our students in Palo Alto, used to come to our month-long retreats here up at Silver Cloud uh, sta- uh, started this foundation called what is enough where she would take this question into the corporate boardrooms and try to get corporations to really ask of themselves, what is enough in, in the field of whatever it is they're doing what is enough when will their bottom line, top line whatever it is when will it be enough and i think it's a good question for each one of us to ask ourselves what is enough what is enough because what we see is that less is often more it's kind of like emptying out the closet you know when you go through the uh, the closet or you go through your attic or you go through the cellar and you see all of the stuff that you've accumulated and you kind of throw it out, you give away, you (laughs) redistribute, you package it up and give it as gifts, whatever. You don't lose anything in letting go of what you no longer need or what is no longer serving your life. Actually, we end up with more spaciousness, more free time more of a sense of uh, unburdenedness in our life, because we know how to let go. Learning how to let go is not easy, but it is a profound understanding. It's a profound wisdom to know that letting go is not out of a sense of deprivation or even doesn't always result in a feeling of deprivation or having to go without. It actually makes space in our life for not more stuff but more life. Letting go is hard to do but it brings relief. It's not easy to see what it is that's taking up our time, what's taking up our finances, what's taking up our uh, heart space that is not serving us. All of us feel, most of us feel that our life is the way it is, and that's the way it is. It can't change, it can't be different, it can't be, you know, we can't see another way. If it's forced on us, we'll accommodate it. Maybe reluctantly. But when we understand, when we see that we've been through so much in our life, we've gone through changes that have been forced on us, other changes that we've chosen, we are the architects of our future. We have the capacity to play a part in how things will be. We can't control everything. That's beyond our reach. That's not not within the human capacity. That's not the human potential. But it is the potential of each one of us to co-create the future, to plant the seeds, nurture the aspiration, harvest the fruit, and be grateful for it. We do this by learning to walk our talk. We all want to be happy. We all want to be peaceful. We all want to be good human beings. It is within our means to do that. But not without difficulty. The challenges are formidable. You know, other people just don't always agree. You know, conditions don't always support. Uh, we can't always get what we want. but if we're clear, if we understand that this is our capacity, that this is the potential we have, we can move in that direction. Who was it? Gandhi, I think it said, sorry I didn't, get, didn't track this one down, said um, I know the path, I mean, I know the spiritual path, it is steep, it is narrow, and he said and even though I fall off the path many times I won't, I won't quit. And because I know the path leads in the direction that I want to go. And so no matter how often we meet overwhelming challenges, overwhelming forces, conditions that just don't support our aspiration, there is a nobility. There's a, there's a flourishing of humanity within us when we accept Oh, this is the way it is, and get back on the path and take the next step. And each one of us has this, uh, we know this. We know this. We know the direction we want to go. We know that it takes one step after another. And uh, there's going to be challenges. When you think of people that you value in life or that you recognize something special within them or you honor them, what is it that we're we're recognizing? What what quality or what condition or what uh, behavior? It's really their humanity. Everyone has struggles, everyone has challenges and those who rise above the, the, the oppositional forces don't do it through sheer force or will but by developing the qualities of awareness and the qualities of inner beauty that come with it. Kamala likes to say that this understanding or these understandings is really advanced common sense. We know, but we have to put aside put aside our naivete that says, I don't know, I can't do it. We can, but we have to be willing to, uh, to, to step up to the plate, so to speak. When I was first practicing with one of my teachers, Saito Upandita, and he heard that my name was Armstrong, my last name is Armstrong, he would always ask me, uh, every time I went to see him, is your mind strong today? (laughs) I had no idea what he meant. Is your mind strong today? Is your mind strong today? Do you know what he meant? Is your mind strong? It took me several years to figure it out or to, to, to finally get it. It's, is your mind, is your heart strong enough to acknowledge, really, the way things are? This is the way it is. Without blame, without, without resistance, without aversion, without anger, without, you know, feeling victimized, but just to acknowledge, this is the way it is. It can be dealt with. When, you can re- when we can see that, when we can see the conditions of our life in that way, we have a strong mind. It's not closed mind, but it's the mind that's open to the way things are, the mind that's open to and resourceful in in dealing with uh, simply being fully human. And really this is the direction that uh, inner beauty uh, takes us, to simply being fully human. So let's let the words settle down for a minute. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.